Good morning and welcome to another exciting edition of Day 4 with the man Frank Scalish. Frank, do you know what today's show is? What number today's show is? <laughs> no, I have no idea. It One, is show. 155. It's show number 150. All right. Buck and a half. I'm going to turn my volume up here. We made it. 150 shows in. It's hard to believe that it was already 50 shows ago that you were sitting across from me in studio for show number 100. But uh, I guess a hearty congratulations in a rather uh, warm greater Cleveland area, correct? Yeah, I mean, you know, we had um, it got really brutally cold, to be honest with you. Um, And everything froze up like in two days, locked in. Um, so I said, Hey, this is a great time for me to get my trailer fixed since, uh, it's not, it wasn't safe to drive. Um, so I, I brought it to a trailer place to have them actually probably make a new trailer because when I dropped it off, they said the rust in the tubes were so bad, the trailer is unfit. So, um, yeah, because I, everybody knows I bought the boat used, and, and yeah. the, the person I bought it from uh, lived in Texas, and he probably did a lot of brackish and saltwater fishing. And if you can't rinse the tubes out, you're in for a huge problem down the road. Well, I, I inherited it, basically. So, yeah, so I dropped my boat off there, and then as fate may have it, a week goes by. A week and a half goes by, and we get a warm snap, and all the lakes open up. I'm like, well, this is perfect. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because this is my favorite time of year to fish, um, mostly because nobody's out, and you can have the lakes to yourself. And obviously, I catch the hell out of them in the winter. So, uh, you know. An exciting show today. We have a lot of news. We have some things to uh, preview, some things to show for the BTL listeners. And then in the midst of the biggest technological boom in the history of not only professional, but also recreational bass fishing, uh, we are going to put the uh, electronics to the side for the day. And we are going to focus on old school Oh yeah, aluminum boat, tin boat. You're a proud owner of an aluminum boat and you're yeah. going to give some tips and tactics for anglers who are dumping the tin rigs into the ponds trying to catch a few bass. How's that sound as a preview for what we're talking about today? It's pretty accurate. It's pretty, pretty accurate. accurate. Oh, we also have a new color uh, that you are introducing, obviously, on the heels of last week's uh, introduction of the FX series in the Perfect 10 Rogue. You got those. You showed those, those that we had in the show. Those are now up on the LureNet site. Yeah, I, uh, I had, I have, it's one of my favorite wintertime jerkbaits ever. So. And we did a great show that was supposed to run last Thursday, but then we didn't think it was going to run. So I was in Florida and didn't upload it. And then you told me we were going to upload it. But then I found out that I was staying in a shipping container behind someone's house. <laughs> and that's not, that's no joke, man. That's where I stayed with four people. It was legitimately probably 75 square feet. It was great though. We got through it. Uh, and then, so I uploaded that on Sunday. So day four went out on Sunday, but it is what it is. Yeah, that it's okay. I mean, it it, you, you, you got to see the preview of the baits, which is good. Um, the new, the new color out on the paint shop is Robin egg. Um, 
I designed that color because I think a lot of guys miss out on the uh, blues in the crayfish. Um, I think that's, you know, that's that's a crayfish pattern that gets very overlooked. Um, and it shouldn't because there's a faction of crawdads, especially up north, that do have that um, olivey blue hues to them. Here, let's see if we can watch the video. There it is. There it is. That's my buddy Dustin. Cranking it out. I love these videos that they do. Yeah, they're they're getting good underwater. Better underwater than I was getting. That's for sure. Um, you know, most of our clear lakes are grass. And so <laughs> so it makes it a tad difficult <laughs> to get the crankbaits going through rocks in a grass lake. Mm -hmm. uh, so the last time I talked to you, Listen, my timetable, to be quite honest, is severely jacked up. Um, I'm not exactly just trying to get everything, you know, in order and ready to go because I had to Washita uh, this week after a very average 98th place finish in the open on uh, Okeechobee, which was chaos. I sent you some pictures, and yeah, I think I everyone kind of knows what that went down when we were on the phone last. We had a very heart-to-heart -heart because uh, – you your mind was blown after what i fished through with the 90 boats in one area yeah and then the last time i talked to you i don't think we've done a show since then where you drove like 220 miles round trip and went to three different fisheries and was yeah. never able to get your boat in the water and yeah. it was an epic frank scalish rant i wouldn't call it was a rant it was an epic frank scalish rant that could only happen in the top half of the united states during a warming trend in the cold weather months yeah i was i was trying to chase some open <laughs> open water it was awesome i was like dude you gotta tell this story on the show because it was awesome yeah so, i mean it was it was such it was so crap dude it was my fault i i live up here and i know better and um we 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 had the lakes opened up so i was really excited about that and a few days earlier i had gotten out and i caught some pretty big fish so i was really excited to go um so i i i choose a lake that's a little over an hour from my house. Well, all the lakes are over an hour from my house, except for maybe one. So I go, I make the trek down there and it's like sheet of ice as far as all, the whole lake is glazed over because what happened was that the water temperatures hovering at 37, nine, four, which is freezing. Okay. The, the lake, obviously water freezes at 32 degrees but the whole lake doesn't get 32 degrees or it would freeze a solid block of ice so the surface layer of the water the first couple inches of the water is freezing okay where once you get below that the mean the, the average water temperatures hovers right around 37 38 um you will not almost never get colder than that once you get below you know three feet deep you won't get colder than that so anyhow we have this night and it was blowing the wind was blowing like mad for like three or four days then the night the night we're going to get 21 degrees the wind completely dies there's no wind and that let those lakes froze like that you know ice unbeknownst to you yeah, and I should have known better because I'm not new at this game. 
So I took a gamble and I go out there and it's frozen. So I'm, I'm pissed. So I go, I got to find a lake that has something open. So I start driving from lake to lake to lake. And then after about a couple hours of driving from lake to lake, I'm like, I should have just put my waders on and went steelhead fishing because the rivers were open and they were beautiful. And mm. at that point in time, I'm like, screw it. So I, I mean, you know, I got up at you know, 4.30 in the morning. I got home at about one o'clock and I said, screw it. And I went nine down. hours of driving three different lakes locked up on all the ones you were. I talked to you at probably three and you were yeah. still rather heated at mother nature. Yeah, I was, I was upset, but now, it, were like, you I, tempted to break the ice? Were you tempted to back down and try it with the whole thing frozen or was yeah, it, the whole, you, there see, was, you couldn't even see open water. There was zero open water. If, if, if I looked out there and I saw open water in an area that I wanted to be, I would have not hesitated one iota to go. Um, I've cracked 300, 400 yards of ice before to fish. I've idled over areas that were glazed over that I wanted to fish and, and then came back two hours later after the wind pushed all the ice away and fished in those areas. I mean, I've done like a lot of guerrilla warfare fighting the ice and, um, you know, I was running down one lake in Southern Ohio one time in the winter and I was ripping down the lake the lake was the center of the lake was open there was all the pockets were frozen the center of the lake was open and i'm ripping down the lake to go to this one channel ridge that uh, that that it usually has them on it and all of a sudden my boat felt funny man it felt funny and here i am i'm on like a half an inch to three quarters of an inch of ice going 70 miles an hour and my boat is on the ice and I turned around when I shut the boat down, I turned around and there was a groove where I went through the ice, uh, an open groove. Oh my gosh. And so I made big circles and mm -hmm. got my push pole and started pushing these icebergs out of the way to fish. And it turned out to be a crappy day. We wound up catching, I think we caught a crappie and a walleye and one bass. Multi-species <laughs> day. Yeah, all on, you know, jigging spoons. Because back then we didn't have the technology we have today. Now I've never experienced this, so I've broken ice several times. But I've always heard, uh, I've always heard the veterans talk about you know that time that they thought they could get out and they did serious damage to their vessel. So what? How does that work? If you break ice that's too thick, it it'll literally like dig into the fiberglass of your hull. Yeah, that day I was on that lake in southern Ohio, I actually um w wore a groove out in the in the in the where the belly of my boat was i wore a groove out right into the fiberglass from it well what ha what you have to do is you have to really go take your time and idle and rock the boat back and forth this way mm -hmm. to get the to get the ice moving cracking and then you have to take your time and you got to keep your boat at a pretty good angle cuz you want it to go like this when you're you want to take a porpoise on it and then break the ice and then the yeah. boat moves through it yeah it's, not it's, recommending that we do this just saying no. if you ever find yourself in that situation also uh we have done safety shows highly recommended that you have a partner with you when you do this yeah. so you're not out by yourself and uh the smart yeah. thing to do is to uh stay on the bank and wait for it to fully thaw Right. I mean, I mean, the reality of it is, is that I've, I've gone it alone in the winter and 
it makes me nervous as hell because I've also fallen in in the winter. Um, but I wear a float suit, uh, a striker ice float suit for ice fishing. Um, and I'm happy to have it because when you fall in, you, you don't, you don't go down. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? You float. Um, but the problem isn't that the problem's hypothermia because you've got less than four minutes in freezing, you know, temperatures to before hypothermia gets you and you, and you know, you're getting it because stuff stops working. You know, you, you can't, you that's can't, you. I, that's yeah. you in cold weather up there, right? <laughs> <laughs> that's you on the perfect, perfect 10 pause right there. Just right. waiting for that line <laughs> to tick. Just waiting for the line to go tweak. <laughs> oh, <God>. <laughs> <laughs> Bundle up, boys. We're going. Is fishing. that is that that's not Ralphie. That's Ralphie's little brother, right? I have no idea, dude. I believe so. That's so funny. Oh, my God. That is priceless. And of course, don't lick any metal things when you're out there. Have you ever done that? Have you ever licked the metal pole? No. Like when it's freezing cold? No. No. You never have? No. Why I had my uh I had my hand one time stick to uh stick to the reel. But I mean it wasn't bad. I just had to dick dunk it into the water afterwards, but like I've had yeah, it to it where the great. hand yeah, because it was ice cold outside. But yeah, that is that's what I picture you. No, because this in. no, because the striker float suit actually is you have really good mobility in it. Um, the way it's designed, it holds your body heat in. Like when I fish in that thing, I wear jeans, uh, I wear a long john shirt, and a hoodie, and that's all I wear in underneath it because you'll sweat your brains out in it. It's the most. Or you'll shoot your eye out. That's funny. Yeah. You said you'll sweat your brains out because I think that movie's catchline is "You'll shoot your eye out." That's right. That's the Christmas story. We're a couple. Again. We're a couple months late on that, but actually yeah. just a month late. God, January flew by. It's already half third of the way through february i know i can't even uh, i can't even fathom all right we were talking about clothing a little bit i know we've teased this in the past we are a hundred percent in the final stages uh you want to you want to preview some of the btl and frank scalish signature series line of clothing that will be dropping later this month on basszone.com under the apparel tab yeah lay it out there because i'm excited so I was talking to Catherine actually this morning about it, uh, and it had been it had been a while uh, that we had worked on this, and we had several designs. I think we we teased it a little bit in previous shows, but uh, we'll just zip through some of the stuff. So we're talking higher quality T-shirts now, uh, uh, different types of uh, hoodies with the metal bands that actually fit, kind of the higher class just for the BTL stuff some standard stuff, a couple new designs. Now I'm really pumped about that one right there, Frank, that is the new Richardson 112 BTL, uh, mesh back hat that will be dropping. That is a rubber patch on that with the new design. I think ATS did an awesome job, uh, designing that. Yeah. I, I like the, I like the one with the green circle around it on the black. Yeah, hat. That's what we're going with. Um, and then the same thing on the higher, higher caliber, uh, of hoodie you can tell it's got i can't remember the actual name but it'll be like eight to ten dollars more than the standard hoodie but it will not bunch it'll be you know like one of those like me yeah. and you are both hoodie snobs right frank pretty much and i told Catherine, i said listen i don't care like i would rather spend an extra 10 bucks on a hoodie that i can wear and throw in the washer and it doesn't 
poof up on me. Right. And that it lasts. That's the yeah. key thing. Uh, so we're throwing a woman's piece in there because there are some wives that are held hostage and are forced to listen to BTL. I hear about it every time I meet the listeners like, <laughs> oh, you're the guy that I have to listen to or watch every single day. Say with you, Frank. And then uh, <laughs> you hoodie. We're going with a quarter zip because I mean, I am approaching 40 and I think that any classy individual needs a quarter zip. I like quarter zips a lot. I, uh, I wanted quarter zip hoodies too, or at least, at least with a three inch. I have tried top. and, and Catherine has tried to find the right quarter zip hoodie that you have wanted. And it's just does not exist anymore. Yeah. It's like a OG wiggle wart, Frank. You're going to have to thrift it and then get it screen printed on that. That's right. I swear uh, to God, I, I have a, a tailor down the street and I take some of my hoodies there and they cut three and a half inches and put a zipper on it for me. Yeah. And I was also looking at like some of the hockey lace hoodies, but we're just sticking with this. All right, here we go. Now these colors are going to change. This is going to be uh black t-shirts, but we're going with a high quality hoodie. The neck won't stretch out. Let me zoom this in here because this is your design BTL on the front patch, the large mouth spotted bass and small mouth bass that you drew. Uh, this signature is obviously going to be down here. They're going to change that, but that is what, uh, that is what that shirt is going to look like. Those are all the, the three species that you drew. Right on. And then if you have a favorite, like a large mouth or a, a small mouth or, or a spotted a bass, there's the large mouth. There's the small. No, that's the spot right there. Yeah. And then uh, there's the small mouth. Yeah, I love that, dude. And then this was, I was not expecting this. And this is, this is cool. I think. I think these are going to be cool hats. Look at this hat. A patch hat with the drawing of the small mouth. We're going with the small mouth on this because, I mean, you are Frank Scale. Yeah, we got to have the small mouth. And it has the BTL embroidered on the side on the Richardson 112 with the small mouth patch. Love it. I'm, I'm pumped for these. So big shout out. That should be up uh, within a couple weeks. We will uh, stay tuned to Frank's uh, social media. Uh, Sean, yeah, there is a non one twelve hat in the BTL up here. Whoa, let's go up to it. Whoa. There's a bunch of pages on here. This took a lot of time. There it is, right there. Uh, it is a like a soft mesh back, uh, soft twill hat. A lot of the people who don't like the Richardson one twelves, uh, I, I, I actually I like that hat. Yeah, no, that half fits good. I actually only had one of them, and it uh, now belongs to my girlfriend. So, <laughs> I well, I, well, no, no, no offense, but it looks way better on her than you. I would a hundred percent, would a hundred percent agree with it. So, yeah, there is an option in that hat, and then these are just the standard hats. I will have, uh, and there will be a limited uh, amount of BTL clothing available at the Bassmaster Classic, but the rest of it uh, on the. BTL website. So thanks for Perfect. being patient. I actually looked at the basszone.com uh numbers on the website and it's like the third most traffic site is the shop BTL page. So I was shocked. Perfect. That's yeah. good. So that's really there you good. go. Little little uh little teaser on what's coming for the BTL apparel. And literally I just got sent, you know, it's boat show and tackle show season, and I've had several buddies send me pictures of people at tackle shows wearing the loaded to the cork apparel that was in the last drop a year and a half. Dude, I, I, that I, I love that whole, I just love it, dude. I wear that thing and people look at me like, what the hell's loaded to the cork? <laughs> you can, well, they're not, you obviously they're not uh fishermen or they don't watch our show. And, yeah. um, 
you know, but it's, that's, that was, that's a, God, I love that. I love that hoodie, man. I have one. I'll be honest with you. I, I have two of them and I have one that I, that I still not worn. I have it, you know, folded up and put away um, that I won't wear it until I destroy my other one. <laughs> yeah, Lincoln and Frank have the same style. Stylist. Are you talking about my hair, bro? <laughs> <laughs> All right. We're 20 minutes into the show. Like I said, uh, if you've been listening to the regular BTLs, it's been pretty tech heavy, not by uh, choice, just by that's what's going on in the world. However, Frank, I think we're very well aware that there are still a bunch of guys that dump the Tinder again, maybe have a flash or maybe have an eight inch unit, yeah. and it is still cast to visible targets using the old school tried and true tactics that have worked for hundreds of years to catch bass. So you said, dude, let's do an aluminum or as the Australians call it, an aluminium. <laughs> they do say that too. So the, um, flo the floor is yours. I have no idea where you're going with this. I, I have no idea where I'm going either. Uh, so to, 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 to get to the, the tin rig. Okay. I, when I stopped fishing Bassmasters, um, I got a tin rig because I sold my bass boat because I didn't know, I didn't know how my future was going to go. And I needed to make sure that I had money to take care of the kids and the bills and everything else. So I sold the boat right away, um, which, you know, to this day regretted, but um, sold it right away, got a tin rig, gutted it, made my own decking on it you know, rigged it out. I tricked it mm -hmm. out. So I've got two trolling motors on it. I got a 112 in the front, an 82 in the back, six batteries in the thing, a live well, bilge pump. Um, I built a huge tackle compartment in it. Um, I didn't go with the rod lockers in it because I didn't want to cut the supports across the, uh, the, the low it was it's a low i didn't okay. want to cut the supports across across the boat i wanted to use keep them to keep the boat sturdy um so i didn't put a rod locker in it but i have a huge tackle compartment it will literally hold as much tackle as my bass boat um and so anyway so you know i fished out of that for a bunch of years and me and the kids would absolutely just we pounded them just pounded them and so the kids used to call it the tin pounder um that's what they call <laughs> that's what they called the boat and so it, it's it was a lot of fun we've seen a lot of you know good fishing days well um since i'm i'm bass boatless now because of my trailer issue um i i'm fishing out of the tin rig again well i have to be brutally honest with you after forward-facing sonar, the side imaging, the, the you know, mm -hmm. a couple of graphs, et cetera, et cetera. Going back to the tin rig, I've got a little eight-inch um, hummingbird on there. I have side imaging on it. Yeah, Frankie did catch his biggest largemouth out of the boat, too, by the way. It was, it was like pushing eight pounds. But, um, yeah, as a beauty, man, especially for up here, that fish must have been 50 years old yeah. but, but any at any rate so i have a unit on the front and then i can 
it's a quick disconnect and I can take it to the back and hook it up to side imaging and then, Oh, that's really smart. And then tiller around the side image, put the waypoints in, put it, clip it back up front and go on my way. So the, uh, I, I posted, I posted a picture of some, uh, one, two of the big bass I caught the other day, but, um, so I think it was Friday, last Friday, maybe. I don't remember. But it was a few days ago before we froze up again. And um, the weather said the wind was only going to be 5 to 10. And so I'm like, okay, that's good. Um, because the, the smaller aluminum boats blow around a lot. And when I'm fishing in my boat by myself, um, when I'm standing on the front deck, it leans a little to the front. And so the pivot point is like you know a third of the way back in the boat so it has a tendency to do this a lot in the wind so i get to the lake and i was really bummed out because there was literally almost white caps on this lake and i was like oh my god it's gonna be brutal <laughs> i'm trying and to find a picture of it on your instagram by the way that's what i'm doing over here. it would be the last post i made and i don't have a picture of the aluminum in there I okay, just sorry continue i was just making sure and so but i have pictures of the bass in there but anyway so i launched the boat and i decided that i was going to take the least wind place i could it's a spot where i actually do catch them so i wasn't disappointed and i fished it for like two hours or so and never got a bite and so i said well i'm gonna have to go to the meat of the hurricane here so off I went. And then um, what I had to do, and this is important, we did a boat control show. Boat control is everything. And so what I had to do was I had to go upwind from where I wanted to fish, point the nose of the boat into the wind and backdrift down because I couldn't gain into the wind. So I had to backdrift down. And so, and it makes the aluminum boat quieter. You don't get as much wave slap that way also. Uh -huh. And so I was, I would use it to backdrift down and then I would just fish normally only I wouldn't be working into the wind, so to speak. I would be, you know, letting the wind push me back, but not blow me back. I would, I put my trolling motor on the lowest speed I can go to almost maintain neutrality. So I could stand on it, take my foot off of it, drift back, stand on it, take my foot off of it, drift back, stand on it. So that's how I had to work these edges as I went down. Um, and uh, you know, uh, my, my great, the great, you know, plan before you go is I'm going to throw a jerk bait. I'm going to throw a, um, Demiki rig. I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. And well, you, you try to throw a little tiny Demiki rig in, you know, 15 to 20 mile an hour wind mm -hmm. where you, where you don't have spot lock and you can't stop the boat. I mean, it's impossible. So the Demiki rig went to the bye-bye and I wound up throwing, I wound up throwing, um, a jerk bait and a sneaky underspin by GLF. Um, I paired the sneaky underspin up with, with a forward-facing sonar minnow. 
And here's and here's the reason. Ooh, that looks really good. Yeah, I this, had not even thought of doing that with that Great Lakes finesse underspin. Yeah, this is righteous, dude. And so here's the thing about the uh, this the sneaky underspin. Now, the particular lake that I was on had sporadic and isolated grass. Okay, which is kind of what I look for on any grass lake is where the grass is broken and sporadic. So the way the design is on the sneaky underspin, I don't, I'm not going to get into the, into the lures. Pause real quick. It is literally, I didn't know this. I was like, okay, you've made your point that it's sneaky. It's literally called the sneaky underspin. That is the name of the underspin. (laughs) Right. I thought you were just letting people know that it was a sneaky option, but it is called as I pulled it up right there, the great lakes finesse sneaky underspin. Correct. Um, and so, so if you look at the design on the bait, you can leave that picture up there. Actually. Um, it's easier than me going through this one. So if you look at the design on the bait, if you, the, the way that the shaft comes down for the spinner blade. Okay. The bend is towards the back. The, The shaft is on an angle. If you look where the line tie is on the head, okay, and how the head rolls rolls down and angles towards the shaft of the of the blade, this bait literally slides right over the grass. So when you get it when you get it into contact with vegetation, it literally slides right over it and right through it without fouling up. The other thing I like about it, the hook is it's a thin hook, but it's not a weak hook. It's a very strong hook, all right? And it's like a needle. This, this, is, this is needle sharp. And it's very important. It's very important to have that because I'm fishing it on eight-pound test or six-pound leader line, all right? I'm, I'm using 10-pound braid and then a, a liter of, of six- or eight-pound fluoro. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's very important to have that needle sharp hook because you're not jacking the fish you're just leaning on them and you got and it penetrates and every fish that i catch the hook is right in the roof of the mouth on it and it's pinned which is another thing so if i so and the other thing i like about this design is you see how the you see how the head is shaped Mm -hmm. okay so if you look at the shape of that head on it if you put a paddle tail type swim bait on it it doesn't kill the action of the swim bait the bait wobbles with the paddle tail it wiggles and wobbles with the paddle tail because the shank of the hook is not so long that it encompasses the moving part of a paddle tail swim Mm -hmm. bait so it's right it's right in the head of the bait so i chose that bait because i can i can cast it out feather it down and i can feel what i'm hitting with it grass wise you know even even wood wise because there's a lot of stumps in this place um even wood wise and i can slide it right over this stuff so i know that if i'm if i'm if i'm if i'm in the stumps i'm too deep with it so i i gotta count down less number you know less seconds and then start my retrieve because i want to keep it above everything so you're using a lure based on the fact that you're going into the wind it's windy you're not able to pick apart the thing cast by cast because you're not in a heavy glass boat so you intentionally picked a lure that you could fish effectively into the wind because of the vessel that you were in 100 percent. okay that makes sense that's that's a big key to this is throw something that is conducive to what you're able to do 
Well, because you have to be able to fish effectively. Um, and you have to, you know, here, the only difference between this and a Demiki rig is the blade. Mm -hmm. Th that's the only difference between the two. Okay. But with this gives me the advantages, especially with a straight tail um, bodied minnow on this thing, the blade will, the blade will create some resistance. And then with that resistance of the blade, okay, you can keep it higher in the water column at a slower speed. And so you have to realize I have 2D sonar, no forward facing stuff. You know, in the winter time, a lot of the bass are suspending. So you, so as I'm back drifting, as I'm back drifting, I'm watching my 2D sonar a to make sure I'm, I'm far enough away from the edge I'm fishing, but can still cast to it. But the other thing is I saw some bass suspending on the 2D sonar. As I was back drifting over them, I saw some bass suspending. They were suspending. Just nice marks. Yeah, nice, beautiful marks. They were suspending at about seven feet. So I knew I had to give this thing a five count to keep it above seven feet. And then, of course, you know, of course, I was throwing the, the suspending jerk baits on them. And this, this is, um, you know, this is a no brainer bait, really, because because I know that I can keep this thing eight to 10 feet deep on the perfect 10. I can keep eight to 10, the suspending rattling rogue. I can keep four to six. So with my two jerk bait rods and my sneaky underspin rod, I, I can cover the water column. And I had to, I had to pick baits that I can do that with um, because boat control was, was brutal on that day. Um, when I got to the, uh, to another part of the lake, I was in the back of the lake where the wind was funneling right down to it. It was the roughest part of the lake. And I had a caddy corner of the wind and then turned the nose into the wind and hold myself steady, cast over the boat to fish effectively. Cause again, boat control is everything. Mm -hmm. So, you know, once I established that I needed to be in that, you know, six to eight foot range for the bass and that the bass were actually suspending right at the dips. They weren't off the dips. They were right above the brake lines. So as I, when I realized that, um, then I kept my boat a little farther off of the brake. So I had that suspension zone over the structural element. So if this is the structural element, I've got this area here because the bass would follow it out. And a lot of times I would just pause the jerk bait and they would just take it and it would be five feet from my boat. So you, you, so you have to be cognizant of how you're catching your fish for boat control, especially with the aluminum boat. Um, you know, like I said, if, if Frankie was with me, the boat would attract better because I would have had weight in the back. And here's the trick. Frankie uses the back trolling motor also. So if we're scooting along and the wind's too much, he'll, he'll reverse the back trolling motor to slow us down. Or if the rear's swinging around, he'll kick the trolling motor out and re-pivot the rear of the boat to the proper angle. So with two guys in the boat, you're both, essentially, you're both working a trolling motor um, 
to maintain boat control. Everything mm -hmm. is about boat control. And so, you know, it, 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 the funniest thing, Matt, like two years ago, I would think nothing of of what I had rigged on the tin boat. I would have th thought nothing of how I rigged my bass boat because in two years ago or, or a little more than two years ago, um, I had one graph on my dashboard on my bass boat, one graph on my trolling motor, 2D and side imaging only. Mm -hmm. I didn't have forward facing. And so I would have thought nothing of it. I felt a tiny bit out of touch the other day because I got very used to seeing what's coming in front of me on the mm -hmm. on forward facing. Because like I said, I use it to enhance the way I fish. I'm not a, I'm not a true, I'm going to go scope and chase and scope and chase. I, I use it to enhance it. I, I go find my fish and then my forward facing sonar becomes important to me mm -hmm. because now I can see the boulders. I can see the wood. I can see the grass. I could see the bass. I could see the lure. Um, so without it for a little bit, I felt almost hindered. And then I'm like, what, what? what are you worried about, dude? You've done this your entire life without it. Just go fish. And so I did. And after the first two hours in the morning, I figured it out and I started catching them. Yeah. And, and so it was like no big deal. And I stayed out there pretty much most of the day. Um, even though the wind got br more brutal as the day progressed, I stayed out there anyway. You mentioned it a little bit. Talk a little bit more about weight distribution in an aluminum rig, uh, just as far as maneuverability when you're fishing out of it. Are you putting all your heavy stuff in the back, like your anchor and your jigs and your terminal tackle and all that? Do you want more weight in the back, or how do you want to distribute that weight in, the, okay. in aluminum for maximum boat maneuverability okay this is gonna crack you up beyond belief so you know you know todd at hydromotive my prop yep. guy yep so rigging my bass boats i learned an awful lot about what a boat wants to run better to handle better to do all this stuff well when i first got the tin boat i wasn't sure about anything on it except that it floated and i control a motor around mm -hmm. um and so i would go to these trolling motor lakes um like ladue reservoir for those that are local um it's a very big reservoir so you're almost limited if you say i'm gonna fish south of the bridge or i'm gonna fish north of the bridge you're almost limited because it's hard to go from one end of the lake back and forth because it's so big you're 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 losing a lot of battery power by doing that. Right. So I got kind of irritated um, fishing it, um, but I learned a lot. I had Frankie in the boat with me, and, and it, at first the boat had a 55-pound 12-volt, which was the first thing I took, to, took off of it because that won't do nothing for me. So I, I got a, a, a 112 uh, Fortrex. Overkill for an aluminum a hundred percent so i put that on it and then what i did was i had frankie when i was going i would have frankie stand on the back 
move up a foot, move up a foot, move up a foot. And I would watch my GPS speed to see where it was increased to the most and then where it started to decrease again. And so I realized that in my boat, you wanted to be just above center of the boat for maximum speed. And so I said, okay, so my tackle compartment that I made is going to go just above center of the boat. So when I load it up, I've got the weight where it needs to be. So my boat, I have a 112 on the front, an 82 in the back, and it goes 4.9 miles an hour. Wow. Yeah. And so, and I have six batteries in it. So I put the three for the 36 in front of my tackle compartment and the two for the 24 in the back and the one for the locator in the back. So, so what I did was I offset that weight. And uh, he also used me as a dog, rabbit dog once. Yeah, I did. <laughs> I'm like, go in there and kick that shit over there. I, rabbit <laughs> runs out. <and> pow. <laughs> That's not safe. No, it's totally safe. Okay. So you're, you're tweaking it. So everybody, even if you have a big motor on the back for the performance of the aluminum, it's going to be different for each brand. But Every since brand. you are in an aluminum that's way more sensitive to weight, you need to figure out where that, sweet spot is and that's where you put uh your your spare anchor your terminal tackle right. your jigs your heavy baits your plastic stuff like that if you can in that section to level that boat out so you're the most stable and have the most speed while you're on the trolling motor 100 percent. and so but and it's it doesn't take long literally you can go out and do it mm -hmm. in an hour um but you need two people to do it because you have to have you have to have the, the guy with you gradually stepping forward onto the boat until, and you watch your GPS speed, you'll see it. Oh, I gained a half a mile an hour. Ooh, I gained a mile an hour. I gained another half a mile an hour. Ooh, I just lost a half mm -hmm. a mile an hour. So then I would tell Frankie, step back one step, and he'd step back and I'd pick it back up. I'd go stand there a minute, and then I'd just take a piece of tape and put it on the you know, on the deck. And I would go, that's where, that's the sweet spot. That's where everything has to be in the boat to maintain my speed. And, and so that's how I set the boat up. Okay. That's cool. You know, and then, um, the, the thing I didn't, the thing I didn't do is I didn't spend money on a spot lock for it. Um, because at this point in time, I redecked the whole thing. I built a, the, the whole decking, reran all brand new wiring, the whole nine yards. Um, and yeah, Frank Schill, forever known as the Beagle. <laughs> I have, hey, I was my dad's Beagle forever, guys. I just want you to know something. We would go rabbit hunting, and, and we're going off on a tangent. We would go rabbit hunting, and I would come out of the woods gashed, bloody, and bleeding from all the multiflora prickers and briars. I would have so many briars on me, it was like I wore a fur, fur coat. And then, and you know, I had to learn how to shoot rabbits like at a blink of an eye because if I wanted to get one, I had to shoot it when I was in all the crap. And so, and so that's what you know. So, so Frankie was only my bird dog a handful of times, where I would go rabbit hunting with my dad, and we'd get out of the woods, and I'd be lost weight because my dad would just stand there like this, going, "Yeah, you got to go over there. You got to go over there." <laughs> would you? Uh, would you point? Like when you saw one, would you? Would you go on point? 
Yeah. <laughs> no, actually, I would go. There he goes, running right. Okay. So they so they know which which side to look for. You know what I mean? <laughs> you and just hope I, he doesn't doesn't run straight at him because you're in the line of fire. Then no, he they would never shoot that way. But um, and so what would happen was mm. I just learned how to shoot really fast, and I would shoot them before they got out of the thick crap. Okay. Because I got sick and tired of going rabbit hunting and not killing nothing. Yeah. And, and so I'm like, this is crap. So I I learned how to become very fast on the drop. Okay. Anyway, that was. Sorry, that, what were we talking our, about? setting up the aluminum yeah 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 yeah. oh you're talking about how you didn't put spot lock on it because you spent a lot yeah, of money yeah, yeah. redoing the boat so you went with a four tracks but it was a 112 so you made right. sure you had enough power to it C correct and i put an 82 in the back because another 112 in the back um i found was kind of overkill D it didn't it didn't help my speed out all that much believe it or not um because I want the front pulling. I don't want the back pushing as much. I want the front pulling. And so it worked out really good. The boat's seen a, a bazillion bass coming over the sides of it. Um, it's been a great boat. And then when I got my bass boat, I started putting more of the money into the bass boat, not the mm -hmm. aluminum boat. And so, you know, getting the 12-inch locators and I got one lithium battery in there. I'm going to get three more, et cetera, et cetera. So, so now, so, so now my question was, you know, I should sell the aluminum and my buddies and are like, no, you can't sell that dude, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I said, well, I've used it three times in two years. You know what I mean? It's mm -hmm. like, it's, it, it, it's taken up garage space for me now. And I've used it three times. So, you know. Okay. So let me ask you this. No power pulls on it. Uh, some of my earlier aluminum boat fishing experience uh, would involve multiple anchors and I'm yeah. aging myself, but literally I remember covering a tournament on the St. John's river where half of the guys had power poles, but uh, Rojas didn't have any power poles on. I think it was one of those deals he was holding out. Like he was one of the first that ever had it. Then he took him off and then he's like, I'm putting it on until I'm getting paid to put it on. So he would have, that sounds like Dean, <laughs> he would have uh, a system on his fiberglass. And I know that a lot of guys do this on aluminum where he would understand how the boat would swing based on what cleat he was tying his anchors off to. And he would have two anchors and he would literally, he learned how to maneuver and anchor his boat. So it was basically like he had, power poles that's a big thing on aluminums too for 30 bucks you can get two anchors use the different cleats to where the boats pulling against each other so if you do want to stay in one spot you can drop an anchor you could drop another anchor and your boat's gonna stay right there correct yeah so here's here's a trick that i did a few times in my aluminum boat i i built an aluminum jack plate for the boat Okay. To, to get the motor off the transom farther, the rear trolling motor off the transom. So I have about a four or five inch space between my transom and my jack plate. I mean, and the motor. Yeah. <clears throat> so I have, you can go to Home Depot and buy um, like long piece of PVC, rigid PVC or a broom handle. And I shove the broom handle between my jack plate into the mud. And it's then, powerful. yeah. And then in the front of the boat, I just use my trolling motor bracket and push the other one in to hold me there. 
if I need to stop completely. Mm -hmm. And so I used to carry that, those two things and a push pole around with me. And I, and then I just got sick and tired of carrying all the extra crap and, and didn't worry about it. But I've done that before. I, I did that with my bass boat too, um, where I took the push pole and put it upside down between my, you know, my steering cables on my outboard and pushed it in before power poles. Have you noticed that you have to be more careful about noise? You mentioned hole slap. Yeah. Talk a little bit about hole slap with an aluminum because that's a thing that's big up north. And I think as more and more people are on the water targeting wary fish, hole slap is an overlooked, uh, overlooked element in catching fish, yeah. but especially in aluminum boats. Yeah. So, so what hole slap? H U H U L L. Right. So, <laughs> so, so what hull slap is basically is I had drawing. Paper. Oh, we getting a, we getting a diagram. I ask a question that brings out a diagram. I like it. Yeah. It's going to be a quick diagram. Oh, that's fine. It's going to be a quickie. So, so if you have, I'm drawing a makeshift boat, aluminum boat hull. So so what so here it is okay so so what you have is this is this is the front of your boat this is the rear of your boat on the front of your boat as, as the waves are blowing into your boat they they hit the flatter part of the aluminum right here and it slaps and you hear where the water keeps hitting the front of that boat so that is my biggest pet peeve on all aluminum boats. Now, if it's got a really deep V on it, you eliminate a lot of it. Like a Lund or something like yeah, that. Yeah, like a, like a, right, like a Lund 2075 or something where it's almost like a bass boat hull. You'll eliminate a lot of that. But, but if you have a semi, if you have a semi V or, mm -hmm. a, or a semi flat bottom boat, you're going to get hull slap. I don't like the noise it makes because the bass can hear that sound travels underwater like you can't imagine. Um, and they can hear that. So what I try to do is when I'm getting hull slap, I do two things. I angle my boat so the so that the wave is now hitting the boat at an angle so it's peeling off the side of the boat more and that eliminates a lot of that ch -ch -ch tinny sound that happens mm -hmm. the other thing i did was i carpeted my boat but instead of using aluminum to build my decking and building the aluminum into the boat um i used uh treated treated wood for it and i sprayed um foam in the bottom of the boat so the foam would, you know, rise a little bit and I'd have a foam bottom of the boat, which deadens a lot of the sound for me. And then I put the wood on there and I didn't put the wood. I didn't adhere the wood to the aluminum. I adhered the wood to the support struts that went across and built like a nailer. Like if there's any contractors out there and you're putting drywall, you need a nailer. I would put, I put the, like a nailer on to, to the cross beam and then built the decking from that up front um, to the front of the boat. So I don't have hard objects 
banging on the side of the boat and mm-hmm. the, and i used the carpeting i used was just regular bass boat carpeting on it um no frills but i didn't use uh thin plywood i used uh three quarters on it because i wanted something really rigid and and to muffle sound and so it turns out that like you could drop something on the deck in my in my aluminum and it it doesn't clang and doesn't make a tinny sound it just yeah you just drop it on there and it's just on Mm -hmm. there it's like no big whoop um but it sounds like what you're saying is if you have an aluminum one of the little things you can do is you could pad the inside you know if you have metal boxes things like that you can add some sound dampening material to really help it especially if you got a clumsy partner right and you can and they make these rubber floor mats and home depot sells them it comes in rolls like Mm -hmm. so you can get long rubber floor mats they're fairly thick and they're corrugated um they have a non-slip carpeting top so to speak it's not true carpet but it's like Mm -hmm. that um i line i line my compartments with that too um i even put that in my bass boat in the compartments that didn't have carpeting in it um because that it's what one it's waterproof to it it's it's a sound deadener um i'm not, surprised not, you're selling this you're you're th- considering selling it because i mean you don't know i mean when another when another you know when a a uh trolling motor only gem is going to pop off in the next five years because those things that those are kind of all hidden secrets i think every state has those little hidden i know i can think of three in oklahoma right now yeah, and you can't I, even put a big motor in if it's trimmed out it's got to be a trolling motor only and they are gems they are and i know it and i'm waffling back and forth with it still but i i don't know i i just don't use it enough it's not i don't want to say it's not fair to the boat because the boat doesn't Mm -hmm. know shit but i I just you know what i mean it's taking a base i don't know in your in your opinion so one of the things that a uh, aluminum and we're talking like kind of a smaller aluminum not like a uh i know i think drugwood has like a vexus and there's a lot of aluminums that have some right. fiberglass elements where it's just like a bass boat i know i just saw uh james niggemeyer in this past tournament he had a badass ranger aluminum that he was using there's a bunch of different right, right. uh brands that are out there that fish like tournament bass boats but these are like the uh, the, yeah, uh, this the kind is... of smaller at home projects. But if you were to build out an aluminum, a 14 to 16 aluminum, what is going to be most Im- important for you as far as building it out like storage or, you know, just certain things that are very handy to have in a smaller aluminum boat? Storage is critical. I want nothing in the way. Mm-hmm. Um, if I could, if I, if I could have put a rod locker in it, I, don't know if i would have um not as important as you would think it would be a rod locker you'd rather have i'd rather have, storage and just throw your rods on the front deck yeah because because here's here's the thing i want to keep my tackle dry mm-hmm. first and foremost i want to keep my tackle dry i want to have enough place for when i when i start to peel layers off i can put the clothes in a compartment I don't want them laying around on the boat. Um, I don't want anything in the way because you're you're talking about a confined space. So I want it free and open. Like my my boat is almost 100% a full deck, except I've got one 
one area in it so you could you could sit and put your feet on the bottom of the boat and use the rear as a tiller if you okay. wanted to um other than that and it's only probably 12 inches wide maybe 15 inches wide um other than that the whole boat's a deck so i can literally walk from the nose to the back and never miss a beat on it so that's that's important the other thing is the the trolling motor trolling motors are important like i have a three bank charger on mine in the back no in the front for the 36 volt i have a three bank charger um i had a three i had a i have a three bank charger for the back but i don't have that installed in the boat i mounted it on the wall in my garage so when i push the boat in there i just grab the leads and click them on the batteries Ah, oh, so it gives you some more room. In. Yeah, so it gives me more room back there for an anchor and my ropes and stuff. That's smart. Uh, the other thing everyone knows for aluminum specifically, you know, like the John Cox guys, is you can go places that fiberglass can't. Uh, 100%. Do you do a lot of research when you took the aluminum out a lot as far as, hey, it's almost like a kayak to where you can get away from a lot of other people if you do a little bit of of research i don't know so much in ohio but you know a lot of backwater areas especially when you get further south a lot more room for kind of planning a day of exploring than yeah. trying especially if it's windy than trying to sit out there which you just showed how you can do it with boat positioning and and anchors and drifting backwards on community not community but main lake stuff that would be better suited for a fiberglass but there's yeah. also advantages if you plan it right to where you can take that thing that no one else can go. Yeah. Um, when I first got it, um, I was excited because I got to fish lakes that I'd never really fished before. Um, and they were fantastic, dude. Fantastic. Um, so that was fun, but Ohio passed a rule now that you could put a bass boat on electric lakes. You just can't use the outboard. Um, and okay. so when, so when they did that, it kind of almost took away from the coolness of having the aluminum rig. Um, I shouldn't even call it an aluminum rig. I'll just call it an electric motor only rig. Um, it kind of took the coolness of that away. Um, and then with the advent of lithium batteries, um, now your bass boat can handle the, handle the stress load of fishing off the trolling motor all day. So, uh, you know, so that's kind of where I got to this, this bug in my head to sell this thing. Um, because, because I would, I like to fish out of my bass boat, um, only because everything is in it. I don't have to gear down. Like what I did was I made separate tackle stuff for my aluminum at one point in time, whatever I put in my big bass boat, I put in my aluminum boat, only not as many. So the boxes were smaller, but the, but the array of lures was the same. So whatever I would encounter, I would have it in the tin rig. Um, and then it got to be a pain in the ass keeping track of what I'm taking from where doing what. So now what I do is I just go, okay, I know the pattern is going to be this, this, and that. So I grab that stuff, throw it in the tin rig, grab five rods, throw them in the tin rig, and I'm off to the lake. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's what I do now. There were times, uh, where I would make the wrong decision where I would go, 
I'm not going to need those because that's not happening. And then I get to the lake and that's what's happening. Um, that's That was the frustration that led me to load my tin rig exactly like my, my bass boat. Um, but then it was just ridiculous. I mean, it was ridiculous to keep up. So now I just pull boxes out of my bass boat, throw them in the tin rig and, and roll. Um, but, but when you're on the water enough, you're kind of, you kind of know what the patterns are anyway. Um, and then you bring a couple things where it could change to this, or it could change to that. And you bring a couple miscellaneous things. Um, I found Ziploc bags and a duffel bag were, um, a really good friend of mine because I would be like, well, it could be this. So I'm just going to throw two bags of this. I'm going to throw these five crankbaits in case it's deep diving bite. Um, and then I, and then, so I can pare everything down and not get carried away. The other thing I do in the tin rig, because I don't have rod storage in mine. Um, I, I use rods that can do multiple duties. So, so I'll, I'll bring one rod and I say, I can, I can flip and pitch soft plastics with this. I can throw a jig. I can drag a football jig. Um, you know what I mean? I'll bring this crankbait rod because I can throw a chatterbait on it or a crankbait and I'll bring the spinnerbait rod because I can throw spinnerbaits, spooks, you know, what have you on it. And so I, I pick rods that, that have multiple functions. And then if I had to, I'll bring extra spools of line because I buy extra spools for all my bait casters. And so I don't have to bring an extra reel on the boat. I can just bring a spool. Um, and so that was the other thing I did. It was a, it was a time saver, but it was a space saver, you know, nothing too right. crazy. Anything else? Are you going to the Columbus fishing show this weekend, Frank? I am not going to the Columbus fishing show this weekend. Greg, uncle Frank is not going to the fishing show in Columbus. Uh, sorry guys. <laughs> I feel like you should keep, and there was a little bit of discussion on there. There's a uh, tiny boat nation. Obviously slay nation is a big, uh, tiny boat series, uh, across the country. I think you should get back into the tournament game, but only with the <laughs> aluminum. I think you should roll no. up. They have a lot of electric motor, John boat, paddle boat, kayak stuff. I think you should, you should roll in yeah, wrap well. that sucker. I'll, I'll pay for the wrap for the day four wrap. No, <laughs> loaded to the cork day four picture you on the front get a little lure net love in there a little pradco love and then you show up and get get into the tiny boat derby game yeah i don't think so no nah i don't think so yeah i, I have i have a nine nine for it too um but for, you know for for nine nine horsepower lakes or 10 horsepower lakes i have a nine nine on it not on it for it that's why i built the jack plate on it so i could pop the trolling motor off and throw the 99 on it hold on we might have we might have some video of this frank jr crack research team uh i'm not 100 percent sure how he has video of this but i'm i'm curious you have my uh, undivided attention matthew okay Oh, oh, look at this. This is like a, what is this? This is like a, uh, this is like a little bit of like a documentary possibly. What the hell's he got? What, what footage does he possibly have? Could that, oh yeah, that's the tin rig right there, man. In action. 
See where Frankie's standing? Yeah, he's standing right there for maximum speed. That's the money zone. There it is. Look at that thing. Yeah, so, I mean, you see we both... Oh, it is all front deck. There's just a little... I mean, you don't have seats or anything in that thing. Well, you, I have them for it, but I don't fish with them. Mm -hmm. There you are, back end in Frankie. Well, don't worry. He'll catch one. If, see, if this it... is you talking about life and things like that. Right. There it is. That's what we've been talking about. Right. So I'm going to have to listen to this. Look, there's like childhood oh, pictures in this. That's my grandfather, man. That was my really? grandfather. Yeah. I, I don't know if we have uh, audio on this. I mean, I, I don't have audio on this. Oh, there's a, some drawings. But yeah, there's. Oh, you're talking about that. Holy cow. I'm going to have to go back. So if you to find this, uh, all I did was go into YouTube and I searched bomber. All water runs deep. Oh, yeah. All waters run deep. I remember yep. that. Look at that. There's the tin rig right there. Oh, good job on the net there, Frankie. Should have oh, had he, that one. There no, you he's, go. he's like an osprey, dude. Hmm. But yeah, so th they introduced this video was like a small documentary video when I when I started to work heavily with them. But you see the jack plate in the back of the boat on that picture. But uh, yeah, let me uh, post a. That was a fun day, actually. I, hopefully, I... that's the link. <laughs> I don't know what link I just put there. <laughs> it's some link. It's a link to something. <laughs> you better make a disclaimer right now. <laughs> you guys just remember the perfect tens are out in the uh, in all the FX colors, and and they're they're gorgeous, dude. I mean, they're just they're really good looking baits. All right. Uh, we're 50 50 on whether we're going to record a show for next week, just to be completely transparent. Uh, I'm doing some recording uh, for regular BTLs uh, next week, recording Drew Gill. He's like 21 years old. He went from like, he went like BFL college bass pro tour in like three years out of Illinois. I'm like, he's super young kid. I'm looking forward to it. talking to him today. Spends all of his time on the water. So, but yeah, we're, we're, uh, we're also going to try to figure out how to slide in some other time. We do have an announcement, though, uh, in March, the week before the classic. Uh, you talked about the sneaky underspin. Yeah. Uh, we're, yeah. Um, I, I met these guys at the uh, ICAST this past year. Uh, you know, Great Lakes Finesse was a recently acquired uh, company by, was it Pradco? Yeah. And you're so, going to yeah. have the Great Lakes Finesse guys on day four? Yeah, I'm going to have Dan Miguel on, uh, I think, the 14th of March. Yep. Um, That'll be a freaking awesome show. Yeah, he's got some really new stuff coming out that is so wicked cool. Oh, they've got new stuff coming out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ooh. I probably I probably dropped the, dropped the bomb on that a little too soon. <laughs> really? But, you know, but we're known to do that on this show. Yeah. Because rules I mean, don't rules Right now don't we've apply. got the, the snack craw, the flat cat, the drop worm, the drop minnow, and then some that cool jig. That heads. tube head is sick. That mm -hmm. tube head is sick. Um, it doesn't roll over on you. So when you're snapping a tube or, or, you know, scooting it along the bottom and you stop it, it doesn't have a tendency like a round tube head to roll over. Um, that's And the hook in it is a beauty, dude. It is a beauty. Yeah, they're they're kind of along the line of uh, 
simplicity is good. Like it's not they're what they do for the small mouth and what we're seeing with that is they're doing stuff that is the right size, the right buoyancy and the right micro actions in the water that, that catch some of the biggest fish in the lake. That is, that is actually correct. And here's the coolest thing. Um, the great lakes finesse was designed for small mouth by small mouth guys. Um, that literally spend 99% of their time chasing bronze. Um, that stuff plows the spotted bass dude and wait till the spotted bass guys start throwing some of that stuff like on Lanier and some of the really good spotted bass lakes. It's going to, it's going to come into its own. It's going to have a whole new demographic. Um, I mean, I'm catching large mouth on this stuff. Yeah. Uh, it's really good. It's just really subtle. It's like subtle dynamite. I mean, there's just something about it that just really, it's just it's just fish catchability. Uh, quick question, Kevin would like to know what the stock hooks are that come on the the Perfect Ten. Do you know that size? They're number fours. Okay. The, the stock hooks are number fours. You have anything else? Anything else that's just burning at you to get out to the listeners and viewers, Frank? <laughs> Well, I'm just making sure. I just wanted to give you that opportunity. We only get one hour a week. Yeah, no, no, I don't. I don't have anything burning, but I am. I am waffling. <laughs> I am waffling on the sale of my aluminum. Um, I don't know. I, I like waffling to the point where if someone was like, "Hey, I'll come pick it up, and I'll give you this much cash money," you would be tempted to say yes. I would probably say yes. In a, I would probably say yes. I, I'm just to the point now where. I, I don't use it enough. Um, mm-hmm. Honestly, I don't use it enough. Now, I, I know what's going to happen. The day I get rid of it, I'm going to want it back because that's what always happens with every boat I've ever sold. Um, mm-hmm. I have seller's remorse in a big way, but um, I'll be I'll get over it. <laughs> like At this I do. point, when it comes to fishing expenses, I'm just numb. I'm just well, indifferent it, either way. I'm just it, like, here, take it. Right, hundred percent. You almost you almost give in to the animal. Yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean. You're like, oh, okay, just here, take it. Um, I, I just really I want to put more into my bass boat, and so I just think that, um, I don't know. Right, Maddox is like tackle. Always buy and never sell. sell. I know, guys. I know. I have a couple really close friends of mine that are telling me not to get rid of it. Um, they, it's too nice. It does look pretty sweet in those pictures. It's very, it's as basic as it gets. And you built all that stuff out on it. Yeah. It's very, it's very, me and Frankie did that boat. I mean, it's very, very, um, user-friendly. It's really user-friendly, but you know, another one. Luke said, don't ditch it, Frank. I got rid of mine and I've been regretting it ever since. Oh my gosh. See, you guys are making this tough on me. Um, I've been thinking about it for a while now, so I might be, I might be ready to get rid of it. (laughs) You guys heard it. There's another one. Don't let the mojo go. Yeah, I know. It's not costing you anything sitting there. No, it doesn't cost. Uh, And then you have Jim saying, sell it and buy more jigs. (laughs) 
<laughs> sell it and buy lithiums. <laughs> uh, that is a that is a tough deal. Yeah, I just like I said, I've been thinking about it um, for too long now, and so when I take it and fish the omens <laughs> out of it, ready go. <laughs> probably cash a check in every single event oh sure because you relegate yourself to one creek arm and you just mm -hmm. live and die in it which is so true yeah <laughs> uh stay tuned to the schedule for what we have uh what we have going up like i said right now over at uh LureNet, they have outdone themselves uh we've kind of been sporadic on the live shows but if you go over there now they have a bunch of different colors a bunch of new stuff like i said the fx uh, oh, colors yeah. the new robin egg craw that frank designed in the bandit 200 limited run they still have the middle and deep baby ends in the limited series and the craw series and the graffiti craw series uh in uh the booyah are they hard, one knockers and hard, hard knockers hard knockers and one knockers yeah booyah, one knockers and hard knockers so i will say just from the time frank that we started doing uh day four with frank scalish the LureNet site uh, aside from the time we crashed it in a minute, they have really <laughs> done <laughs> with the color seven. Outside of that dis debacle, the lure that side has stepped up its game. Like, yeah, it's uh, phenomenal what they're putting out on a weekly basis now. And yeah. I say that as a show that is sponsored by LureNet, and you work for LureNet and design colors for LureNet, but it's still even off the right. air. We're like, dude, like those are freaking cool colors. And those are baits that catch fish, the bandit two right. hundreds, the roads, well, the perfect tens, good stuff. And one more thing real quick, then thank you to the BTL listeners who week in and week out, even if it's just one or two of those baits, uh, lure net notices that, that the day four listeners yeah, listen to what you say, listen to your colors. You have a group of people that buy anything that is Frank Scaler's signature color. And that means a lot to me as someone who does this for a living in a podcaster and to you versus people who appreciate uh, your work and the company that you work for. Right. I mean, they got, they got me designing like mad, to be honest with you, I'm doing a ton. And like, a lot of that is because of day four, right? Like a ton because, um, which is great for me because I always wanted on some of the brands, I always wanted step ups in colors. Um, and back in the day when I was fishing Bassmasters, I did, I designed for a lot of these brands already, um, on a limited time basis, like, you know, one here and one there. And I would always bitch. I would be like, God, we need this color because, you know, and I blah, blah, blah. And I go through the reasons why we need the color. And, um, there's a lot of red tape, you know, especially back then, a lot of red tape. And now it's to the point now where they're like, Hey, just do your thing. And so I'm making colors and doing all this stuff. And it's, it's fun because, um, you know, I, I, I paint them for myself and fish them and then paint them for them and send them to them. And then they produce them. Um, so I'm, I'm seeing how, um, the colors actually work and catch fish in various water conditions, et cetera, et cetera. So it's not BS. You know what I mm -hmm. mean? It's, it's just, these are fished colors before you even get them. They're already fished. And I have received word that the BTL 23 code still works. <laughs> I don't know if we're allowed to. Okay. To well, hell, if it still works, use it. Uh, when my wife questions, I remind her that trophy. <laughs> <laughs> trophy husbands don't come cheap. That's fabulous. <laughs> 
trophy. Husband. It was BTL twenty three, right? Yeah, that was it the was. previous one. Yeah, it was, and yeah. it is now twenty four. So, but I think the BTL twenty three is still active. It might not be active after this show, but as yeah. of right now, it is still active for fifteen. Hey, I want to say kudos, item. kudos to the dude who plugged that in. <laughs> yeah, you know, wait, 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 wait. That's the sneaky underspin in action uh, right there. This is one of the many, one of the many things that I am woefully behind on Frank is getting caught up on, uh, on the Lurinet stuff for uh, 2024 and getting a new. One of the things we're not behind though is we are approaching nailing down our schedule for the 2024 Bassmaster Classic uh, on Grand Lake in Tulsa, Oklahoma. I thought we've picked times already. We did. I don't know if those were those accepted. Yeah. Like that's done. Do you have them right there with you? Yeah, I think uh, Saturday, 1230 at the Pradco booth and Sunday noon at the Pradco booth. Okay. And then I'm and then I got to get with you on the Bass Tank booth because yeah, um, we're going to make an appearance over there, too. We are. And what what we have. You said there are a hundred or a bunch of the color number sevens that you will be. Is it giving out to? Yeah. Free. Like you show up and you say, hey, Uncle Frank. Yes. Yeah, you say, then, hey, here's the color go, hey, seven. Color seven. And you'll be yeah. signing them too, Matt. You're not getting. I, I will be standing next to you managing the crowd. <laughs> managing That's the what crowd. I will be doing. I will be your. Uh, your crowd manager for I'm gonna have classic. I'm gonna have you open all them damn packages. That's what, what you're gonna do. You're gonna have 50 staples in yeah. your fingers by the end of the day. Yeah. Oh no, I hate opening those things with the state. Have you? I got a big rod tube of uh, Denali's at in Florida, and I kid you not, it probably took me 15 minutes to get those industrial staples out of the top around the plastic. Like I've. It took me so long to get the rod tube open. I felt incredibly dumb. Well, yeah, I got this little um, pry tool for the for taking those cl plastic clips off of your car stuff. Mm -hmm. It's literally about the size of a screwdriver. That'll go. You put that in the thing and poop, and it comes out in a second. And you don't gash yourself on those industrial staples, which are like mini stilettos. Yeah. They will, uh... <laughs> In my earlier days, I may or may not have been stepped on by one of those by choice. <laughs> <laughs> and I was referring to the uh, switchblade knife, <laughs> okay. not the uh, high heel of choice. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. Okay. Uh, uh, Lurinette's going to have, yeah, I'm sure they love what we're talking about. We go back and forth. The, they're going to have, but they're going to have stuff for sale at the classic this year. I'm not, I, I'm not, you don't sure, want to speak but... on that. Dan will Dan will cover some of the Great Lakes finesse stuff, and he could. Uh, I'm assuming they'll be at the that. classic too. Oh yeah, he's going to be there. Yeah, they're going to meet that. So you can come meet the whole Lurinet crew. There'll obviously be some uh, of the bait. You can check out all the paint schemes and colors and stuff that's going on there. It'll be a right. good time if you guys are are planning on heading to the classic. Like I said, I'm not a Facebook guy. If you follow me on Instagram, we'll have those times and dates out. Same with Frank. Uh, do you do Facebook? No, I, you know what? I have it. I don't open it. I opened it for the first time the other day because my buddy sent me, uh, he messaged me a picture of a boat he's buying mm -hmm. and I was really irritated that I got on it because I have like 550, whatever I'm supposed to look at. But, um, I don't go on, I don't do Facebook a lot because, um, 
Instagram is so easy. Uh, and, it it's, and it's quicker, it's easier, and it's really focused on fishing and what we're doing. Um, Facebook has a lot of extraneous stuff going on that I don't, I don't want to be bothered with. Um, so I, I, you know, please, if you reach out to me, reach out on my Instagram, Scalish underscore fishing. Um, because if you, if you Facebook me or message me, I may not see it for a month and a half. Or if you have a pressing matter that you'd like to speak with, uh, Frank with, and we've also used some viewer questions. You're, you can email me matt at basszone.com. Uh, and then if I deem it applicable <laughs> I will, and it passes the test, I will then forward it on to Frank Scalish. Correct. He, he, he will, um, censor it, <laughs> and send it back to me. Or you can leave comments in, uh, you're also really good about reading the comments on the YouTube show. Yeah, I, I try to do, I try to answer is if you DM me, you get answered immediately. Um, and then I'll, I usually review comments and answer those. Also, I do that on my videos, um, that are put out, you know, from, uh, LureNet YouTube. Sean saying last year's classic with you two was a blast. Frank, you were worried that no one would show up. And I was like, trust me, like bring as many of those drawings as you have. There were people that, that will be at the Bassmaster classic that want to meet Frank Scalish. And it was, uh, humbling. It was humbling to say the least, and it was an absolute blast. Yeah, it was so much fun. It was, and I and I had unfortunately last year I had to cut the days down. Mm -hmm. This year I'm staying for the full thing because I, yeah, I this year you're you're there like they're using you this year. Yeah, I mean I'm I'm gonna be there for the whole thing. I want to, you know, it was fun. It was a lot of damn fun. Now it's a lot more fun to be fishing in the thing, but this was great. It's so much, it's so nice to be there on a different level because there's no pressure. Um, you get to meet everybody, uh, you walk around, you meet everybody, you mm -hmm. yuck it up a at the end of the day, you, you slide in out, a Coors Light, a $12 Coors Light from the vendor there. hundred percent. You know what I mean? And it's not, you're not, it's not so rigid, um, which is really nice. I mean, it's just, it was so much fun. The guys are great. Um, I just like the whole, I like all the hype around it. Y you know what I mean, Matt? It's like, there's a, uh, it's a sure. buzz. Like, yeah, no, there is definitely a buzz. It is a, it is a great time each year. As long as it's easy to get in and get out. And it's not right. one of those mousetrap, uh, deals where like, it takes an hour to get into the expo and then parkins 10 miles away. But yeah, exactly. That's what it is. <laughs> He's like my new hat. I got a new hat. I wasn't even planning on getting it. Have you you've probably never heard of HTO H T E A O? No. It's like a high end sweet tea store. So you like walk in and it's like the Bass Pro Shops of sweet tea. You a sweet tea guy? No. Because huh. I, 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 I don't I, give a damn about this. Then I'm not a kidney stone guy either. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, you can get on sweet tea. You can get all sorts of different stuff. But it is like my favorite uh, favorite drink place i guess and they have what it's shiny so i walked in and i got a i got my new hto hat look at that born in texas hto with the oh, that, dude that's a sweet hat yeah i can't tell you how many years it's been since i purchased uh a non-fishing hat right like i mean i'll buy like you know i got the matt becker hat i'll buy some hats to support some guys oh that's your ass like. hat 
<laughs> yeah, just catch more ass, uh, catch more bass hat. But uh, no, yeah, I like I'm, that's. I'm a proud good, of that hat. Yeah, yeah that's a good yellow on a HTO. You need to check it out if you guys pass a HTO. You can go in. I like the uh, peach cobbler sweet tea. How did I know that? How big, did I know that? Big peach cobbler guy. So I think we're ready for some music. You ready for some music? Let her rip. There it is right there. All right. It's in. All right. This has been another edition of Day 4 with the Man Frank Scale. It's a very special edition. Day 4, 150. We talked a little bit about aluminum boats, about some, some new colors, about what's going on at the Classic. Uh, stay tuned to BassZone.com for the drop of the Frank Scalish apparel and a schedule on when we will be back. Tonight, I do want to remind everybody, uh, 7 p.m. Central Time, the Miles Berghoff fundraiser. Uh, they are at St. Jude's daughter, uh, 10-month-old, diagnosed with cancer in a 128-hour period. He went from practicing at Okeechobee to indefinitely, I think, for 12 to 18 months in at St. Jude's at the headquarters in Memphis. So uh, Matt Steffen's going to join us. One of his good buddies, Joey Nania, one of his good buddies is going to join us. I think Jeffries is going to jump on. Uh, and that is all going to be going towards the uh, Berghoff's GoFundMe account because they had like a week of expenses uh, at a different child uh, hospital facility that was outside of their network. I think he said the first bill he got, he opened it up and it was like $28,000. Uh, now, once they're at St. Jude, they're at St. Jude now. Uh, housing all of the uh treatment all of that is covered by st jude we do a st jude fundraiser that's going to kick off after this with the t-shirts for the st jude bass classic uh there'll also be a t-shirt design for that but tonight uh jump on that uh show miles some support i think he's going to be actually tried to call me during the show i think he's going to be able to jump on uh for that show tonight for a couple minutes uh it just kind of depends on what his schedule is so definitely wanted to mention that and uh spread the word about that show but yeah, that's all we got, Frank. Thanks for thanks for tuning in. Have a good one. What are you up to the rest of the week? Anything exciting? Just painting lures. <laughs> that's your J-O-B. That's my J-O-B. All right, this has been another edition of Day 4 with the man, Frank Scalish. We will talk to everyone later. See ya. <laughs>